Well, good morning. My name is Alan. I'm one of the pastors here at the Vineyard, and it is my privilege to be with you here. If you've been paying attention, uh, following us during Advent season, uh, we've been working our way backward. Uh, Luke 21 begins with Jesus talking about prophetically his return, his second coming, when he says, the Son of Man will appear with power and glory. And we wait. I mean, Advent is a season of waiting. We worked our way back through John the Baptist, and today we continue to work our way backward uh, all the way to Luke chapter 1. And so today, if you want to open your Bible or your device, we're going to Luke chapter 1. One of the beautiful things about Advent is the preparation of our hearts. A distraction away from the fluff and commercialism of Christmas. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm all for it. I love it. And yet, essentially, you have to understand that the commercialized Christmas world that we live in is counterintuitive and counterproductive to the regular way of leaning into Advent. Think of it this way. Perhaps we don't talk about it often enough. Advent is more akin to Lenten season than anything else, a time of preparation. And so we prepare our hearts, not because we think the birth of Jesus is in jeopardy, but because we await this one who will come in power and glory at the end of the age. So if you ever dream and hope for a world that is better, that is not filled with the chaos of this day or days past, that day is coming. And the person who is bringing it, his name is Jesus. The one who comes in power and glory to make all things new. I love the fact that Reagan set us up so well for today's passage. In reading from Micah, he sets the tone for us to engage Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. And so here's what we understand. God is at work in difficult times, and difficult times do not detour or thwart His plan. You need to hear me. If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. God's intentions towards us in Jesus are good. And he is always at work for our good in the seen and the unseen. Don't you love it when you see him at work for good? Don't despair when you don't see him because he is at work for good. Now, let me just confess, I don't get it because in the unseen, there are things that I don't understand. <laughs> Let me not fool you. In the seen things, there are lots of things I don't understand. But God is at work for our good. 
So today, Luke chapter 1, we're going to jump right into the middle of a story and read verses 39 through 45. And so, if you got your device or your Bible and you want to follow along with me, I'm reading from the New International Version. And it begins like this. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, her cousin. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, uh, interestingly enough, the, the language of the day, that, that language of the day actually says this, with a megaphone voice, like, you know, with a megaphone voice, she cries, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. But why is it I am so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promise to her. Now, I told you we jumped right into the middle of the text. So, your homework assignment for this week, if you choose to accept it, I would suggest that you read the, the whole of Luke chapter 1, its entirety, and just read it in a slow-paced way. The goal not being to finish, but the goal always being the prayerful thought in the back of your mind, Jesus, make yourself known to me today as I read your word. So, so read it, engage it, and slowly connect with it. I believe that as you do, Jesus will in fact reveal himself to you in a deeper, fuller and richer way. No way to describe that is the roots of your life will go deeper into the soil of God's great love for you, and that always is good for us. Well, this week, as I was preparing for today, there were um, three words that have just been extremely meaningful to me, and I've thought about them a lot this week. And so, I just want you to know that I think these words are helpful to us in, in assisting us to fully engage in this Advent season, watching and waiting. And so, let me suggest that we consider these three words as we talk our way through the text today. The words are these, curiosity, obedience, and courage. Curiosity, obedience, and courage. So as we lean into the text, let me suggest to you that this text reveals to us the idea that we are invited to trust in God's will 
and way. Fleming Rutledge, uh, someone who's a new friend. I, I, I tell you, I have friends that I've met personally, and then I have friends that the only way I've ever met them is reading their writings, reading their books. And Fleming Rutledge is an Episcopal priest. Uh, she is uh, one of the, the foremost experts on the season of Advent within the Episcopal Church. She's widely recognized through her teaching and her writing. She's written extensively. I, here, here's how extensively she's written. I saw this little book online. The title was simply Advent. And I thought, oh, cute, Fleming Rogers. I'd like to read some of Fleming's works. I'd just been introduced to her. And so I thought, oh, I'll get this nice little devotional book to read about Advent. When it arrived, to my great surprise, 600 pages later, <laughs> that nice little book was, was way bigger than I imagined. And uh, just to be fully disclosed, I have not read the whole book. I have read some of it. I've read bits and pieces of it. But I, I want to finish the 600 pages, and I'll figure out how to do that, if not this Advent season next Advent season, and the next Advent season, and the next Advent season if necessary. Curiosity, obedience, and courage. For us to explore the curiosity, obedience, and courage of this text, we have to go back earlier in the text where we understand the concept of this great surprise that Mary received from the angel. So all the way back to Luke chapter 1, verse 34, the angel is talking and he tells, he tells Mary that the, 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 the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, will come upon her and she will bear a child. And uh, she's waiting to be married. She's unmarried. And uh, the, 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 the comment was simply, you're going to have a child. And she said, well, wait a minute. How can this be? How can this be since I'm not married and I'm a virgin? Now, have you ever had God show something to you that just was more than you could grab hold of? Like more than you could grab hold of. So unbelievably, incredibly impossible that when you heard it, you just dismissed it? You see, the issue of curiosity is not dismissing the encounters of a good and loving God who invites us to engage in the good work He desires to do in us and through us. Remember, we say this regularly, God is at work for His glory, for our good, and through us, the good of others. We're invited to trust in God's will and God's way. And so, wow. <laughs> Maybe we should just stop and pray for the peace of Israel. God's always at work for His good. And this response from Mary about curiosity, right? Just curiosity. She didn't say, ain't no way. 
Impossible? You got to be kidding me. She says, in a curious way, how can this be? Do you understand that curiosity opens the door for possibility? Curiosity is the seedbed of faith. Curiosity is the place where the seeds of faith drop into the soil and germinate and find themselves growing in hope and possibility. How can this be? Her engaged curiosity leads Fleming Rutledge to say of her, Mary is a model of the true disciple. Her greatness, according to Luke, here's these words, is that she heard, she was curious, that she believed, and that she obeyed God. You know, it's easy for us to dismiss the challenging and difficult things that God speaks to us. Mary simply said, how can this be? That curiosity didn't end. It, it led her to what I would consider a yielding obedience, a yielding obedience. A few weeks ago, we mentioned that uh, in staff meeting that Ken Hanning, our student's pastor, was talking about the negativity of the word surrender, uh, that, that there's this sort of pushback when we talk about surrender. And, and yielding is such a better word than surrendering. It's, it's willful, willful participation in the work of God. And so she yields herself to obedience. That yielding is expressed in the following prayer that she says in verse 38. She says, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. I love these words. Let it be unto me as you have said. Oh, man. I can't put myself there. A teenage girl whose life just got messed up. She just absolutely became the scorn of a community because she's an unwed mother. The days ahead will prove it, that she's not married, and that she's definitely pregnant. And my, don't people love to talk. But in the midst of what I believe to be her understanding of the challenges she faced, whether she just knew a little bit about them or whether she knew much, about them. She prayed an incredibly powerful prayer. In Ignatian spirituality, this kind of prayer would be called a prayer of indifference. Now, if you're not familiar with praying that kind of prayer, 
Ruth Haley Barton helps us understand what that kind of prayer looks like and what it actually means. And so I, I'll quote to you from, from Ruth. She says, the prayer of indifference expresses the fact that we have come to a place where we want God's will. Nothing more. Nothing less. Nothing else. It means we want God's will more than our own personal comfort or safety, more than ego gratification or wanting to look good in the eyes of others, more than our own pleasure or preference, more than whatever it is we think we want. It is a state of wide openness to God in which we are free from undue attachments and have the capacity to relinquish whatever might be, might keep us from choosing for God and for love in the world. I love her final sentence. It is a prayer in which we abandon ourselves to God. And I say, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy on me. Curiosity led her to the seedbed of growing faith, which led her to a yielding obedience. And here's where this all comes together. She couldn't stop there because now she engages in active courage. Verse 39 says, at the conclusion of this, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. She didn't let any grass grow under her feet. She hears the good news, expresses it with curiosity. She gives herself to obedience, whatever it is, oh God, that you want. And then what's required of her is to now move forward. And if you read the text, which I hope you will this week, what you're going to understand is that there is a promise that her cousin Elizabeth is already six months pregnant, expecting a child. And Elizabeth had been barren for so long that she was also the talk of the town. God obviously didn't love her very much, or she would have already had a baby by now. You ever been there? You think it yourself, and then you hear a friend say, God must not love you very much, or it would have happened by now. That thing, that's the promise, if his blessing would have come to you and the fruit of that thing would have been birthed and you would already be deeply enjoying the blessing of God. But Mary understands that she now has another woman who's familiar with the context of what's happening. So we have two women in two wombs filled with the beautiful gift of God and the way each of these women engage the text is with curiosity 
obedience, and courage. Don't you think it's interesting? Uh, next time you read through the Gospels, read it with different eyes. Look for all the places God uses women in an incredible way, and he uses their curiosity. He uses their obedience. And he uses their courage. I, I, just, just the next time you read through the Gospels, read through the Gospels looking for what God's doing in women. Because he's doing a whole lot. And there are a lot of incredibly wonderful things. And so, ladies, don't step back. Don't step away. Don't shy away. Lead us in curiosity. Call us to good things. Be faithful in your obedience that calls us to engage in obedience. And let hope shine through you as you take courage and step into all that God desires to do in and through you. There's something incredibly powerful in unpacking this, and uh, let me just be really quick. I'll, I'll unpack it really quickly and get us to a place of response. So God desires to invite us to trust in his will and his way. To do that, we have to engage curiously. We have to engage obediently. And we have to obey, obey courageously. The beauty of this thing is you're never left alone. As we take steps forward, Mary understands that we're encouraged by fellow travelers along the way. Have you ever tried to make your way on your own? I'll just tell you, there is this notion in American Western ideology that says the only way up is by yourself, make your own way, blaze your own trail. Let me just tell you, that's not very likely. I don't know if you've looked around very recently, but in the last two years, for sure, if you didn't realize it already, you should be realizing it now. You can't get there unless you get there with somebody else. But can I suggest to you that it's always been that way? Listen, rugged bootstrap pulling yourself up and blazing your own trail, no matter how you tell the story, isn't a reality because there's always somebody who's helping you. You just didn't let them know or you just didn't give them credit. So God puts someone in Mary's path to encourage her. And so engaged curiosity, here it goes. When Elizabeth heard Mary's, ba uh, Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. Here, here's the curiosity there. Have you ever experienced God in a powerful way and not acknowledge the nudge of the Holy Spirit? You just took credit for it? Oh, I'm so smart. It says, 
We need to be those people who acknowledge our awareness of the nudge of the Holy Spirit so that we're able to quickly respond to these nudges. See, Mary engages Elizabeth, and Elizabeth, John the Baptist, leaps in her womb, and she understands this is the work of God. That's being open to the curiosity of the presence of God. That's being aware of the work of God in and through us. And so being curious leads to obedience. And then she says, here's the yielding obedience from Elizabeth. In a loud voice, the megaphone voice, she says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that my mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. This is a prophetic proclamation of the truth that flows freely and boldly from her lips, which required obedience. She could have been silent. She could have held it to herself. And what good would that have been? No one but her would have received it. When we walk with people together, the curiosity of God creates this fellow traveler, but also the experience of a fellow traveler creates a prophetic moment for us to share the good work of God that is happening. And then active courage, uh, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And I had to think about this for a while in terms of active courage. How does active courage engage itself here? And Here's, here's where I think active courage engages itself. And I think it's quite likely that Elizabeth and Mary has Mary in mind when she's speaking those words. But I think the courageous part of, isn't it also possible that she sees herself as one who has been blessed by God? She sees Mary being blessed by God. And the reason I, the reason I say that's courageous is because I know for me and for many people, you can notice the blessing of God in all kinds of other places than your life. How, how is it that I'm so blessed to have been accompanied with this person? And yet, Elizabeth, I think, actually sees herself in that moment. And so part of our growth in discipleship and in following Jesus is seeing ourselves as those included in the work of God. God's working in other people and God is working in me also. It's quite clear in this passage that Mary, Zechariah, and Elizabeth are being used in the work of God. And then we finish with simply this. Not only is it possible that we can find trust in God's will and way, and we're encouraged by fellow travelers along the way, but also it's possible to find rest in the promises of God. So you have to read the second half of Luke chapter 1, which is best known as the Annunciation. One way to talk about the Annunciation is this. Stop, watch, 
Look and listen. This is what God's going to do. Through the proclamation prophetically of Mary, she says, Oh, God has so blessed me. And God has been so kind to me. And God has been so favorable to me. He has poured himself out up on me. And then she says, Because he looked on my humble estate, and therefore, behold, from now on all generations will be those who call me blessed, for he has done mighty things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in their thoughts. He's brought down the mighty. He's exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things. He sent the rich away, and he has helped his servant Israel. What she's saying with curiosity is, here's the hope of the prophecy of God. He's done it for me. Now he'll do it for you. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. And the yielding obedience for us to be included is simply this. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. We talk all the time about saying, if you want to be in, you are. If you want to be included, you are included. And that's simply understanding that you're not on your own, that God is at work, and you will yield to his will and his way regardless Regardless, that prayer that Mary prayed, let it be unto me as you have said, is a fearful prayer to pray. But it's the best prayer you'll ever pray. Let it be unto me as you've said. I can think of lots of times in my life where I was challenged with things I didn't understand and didn't know. And the best prayer I ever prayed is, not my will, Lord, your will be done. And so today, as we close our time together, what God's done for these women in their wombs is the work of the Spirit in us and through us for our lives to change us and transform us so that the good work and will of God will be birthed in us in transformation and change. And so here's where active courage comes in today. If his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation, will you say yes to that invitation? Will you say yes to that invitation? Kurt described it this way last week, so I'll just use his description. Receiving the mercy of God looks like this. Sorry. Thank you. Please. 
God, I'm sorry I've been doing my own thing, going my own way, leading my own life, holding my own hopes and my own desires and dreams without much care or concern about what anybody else says or thinks. But the awakening today is simply this, that the mercy of God has come to us in Jesus and his will and way for you requires you to say yes to his invitation. Turn loose of your control. Let it be done unto me as you have said. Can I say to you, if you've never done that, that's the way into following Jesus. And if you've already done that, that's the way on in following Jesus. You get it? We never graduate from saying, let it be done to me as you say. There's no graduation there, friends. That is the common conversation that God has with us all the time. If we're listening to him, we will have to yield to him and his merciful intervening in our life by saying, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but let it be done to me like you've said. Didn't tell you what the title of this sermon was, but it's love at work, and that's the love of God at work in us, inviting us. And the love at work is the place where we have the curiosity to yield ourselves obediently, to say, God, do your work in me. Now, I say that's the way in and that's the way on, but let me just suggest to you, and I don't have time to unpack it today, but we sang a lot about it this morning, that this baby born in a manger, meek and lowly as he is, is a conquering king. And we talked about the welcome of his rule and his reign. So let me just say to you, all the past tense, just read that, read the Annunciation. All of the things he's done has been done. Like, so we're not waiting, we're not waiting on God to turn things upside down. He's already turned it upside down. We're waiting for the fulfillment and the completion of his turning things upside down when he will come in power and in glory to make all things new once and for all, to wipe away all tears from all of our eyes and to set us into heaven on earth. That's Advent. That's Advent. This baby born is a king. And we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. And while we pray that, we engage in justice and mercy. And I'm talking to people today that I know Jesus is speaking to, and he's inviting you to join him in making things right now. Not waiting for anything to happen. Engage in justice. Engage in mercy. Engage in justice. Engage in mercy. Be a tool in the hands of God to make things right. You've heard me say regularly over the years, if you've been around, one of the nudges of the Holy Spirit that I'm very clearly aware of is the work of God is when I have better thoughts 
nudging me than I have for myself. Almost always those thoughts center around two things. Almost always. Loving God more and loving my neighbor better. Say yes to the nudges of God and we will be those who are better for it. And we will be those who will not regret it. So will you say yes to God's invitation? And another invitation is, will you join with Jesus in the work of God that he's already engaged? I want you to stand. As we close our time in prayer, one of the things that's helpful for us to be receptive to the Lord, be awakened and aware of God's work in us and through us, is if you have any inkling at all that God is here, if you have any sense that he's speaking to you, then we can be responsive to that um, in the way we posture ourselves in the presence of God. And one of those ways is simply just to turn your palms upward. It's a receptive mode. It's just saying, God, I think you're here, and I think you're speaking to me, and I think you're at work for your glory and for my good, and through me, the good of others. So if you just be willing to receive, I want to pray a prayer of blessing. At the end of that prayer of blessing, if you're on our prayer teams and you're available to pray with anyone at the end of the service for any reason that you need prayer, we will have people available to pray with you at the conclusion of this service. So I pray, Holy Spirit, awaken us now with the eyes of children who delight in the presence of this season, taking things in with delight and joy and anticipation. And so would you cause us to be little children before you today who delight in taking in everything that you would give us with curiosity? Now, Lord, I know I'm speaking to some people that they're really clear about what you've already said. It's not that you won't say more things. It won't, it's not that you won't say new things, but they already came today with something in their hearts and in their minds, their thoughts about what you've said. Would you, O oh Lord, now release them to fully engage fully engaged. Let it be unto me, as you've said. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. 
Lord, would you cause us to be good news wherever we go. Being glad to participate in justice and mercy for this is your work now and always. I bless these, your people, the ones you love, the ones in whom you take great pleasure. I bless them now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.